We are now in November, a month when we remember the dead. We begin the month with the Feast of All Saints, and then on November 2nd is the Feast of All Souls. And I guess, in a way, it all begins with Halloween, when some Christians tend to have that should-we-celebrate-Halloween conversation, and then are told that the church says it's good to remember the dead and to remember our death. I normally don't have a problem with this, except that this year has been rough for people dying. I know that people die every day, but for me, I have six family members, friends, or people that I know who have died in the last seven months. Add to that seven other people, relatives of friends of mine, who have died in the last seven or eight months. It's been a rough year. And still, we know that death is the only certainty, and we believe that death is the only way to heaven. That's what we all hope for. Death is not only the consequence of sin, but also the remedy for sin, since after death, there will be no more sin. And so, I'm trying to be joyful this month. I'm remembering all the people that I know who've died and remembering good times we had together, praying for them that they are on their way to heaven or already there, and asking for their prayers so that I can be ready when my time comes. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I'm Billy Chan. And we are recording this show. I know we break the spell every Wednesday <laughs> or on the weekend. We're actually recording the show on All Saints Day. Yeah. And yeah. You guys were up all night last night uh, trick-or-treating? Not trick-or-treating, just eating chocolate. <laughs> I just went to a grocery store for like 50% off for candies. For you, for you, or and then and then I'm really grateful that you brought the rest of, of it course. at work today. Did you of bring course. chocolate to work today? Shoot, yes. I'm so sorry. Are you what? serious? I wasn't supposed to okay, say anything. Okay, so we apparently. need to go to Billy's desk after the recording of this program. I've already been like three times. Okay, well, I'm sure that if <laughs> there are, why? so so you guys, so you you weren't were you giving out candy to kids coming to your no house I live door? in an apartment so I'm not allowed to do that oh, but you live in an apartment Emily yeah. and didn't I you do. have kids oh. coming to your door Um, we did right Vivian I wasn't at home last night but but Vivian was there and Vivian apparently Vivian is your roommate Vivian is my roommate <laughs> 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 who happens to be holding a yes, camera everyone right listening um <laughs> okay so yeah my co-worker is my roommate <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so she gave out candy and while you ate the chocolate, and then and she then, gave it yeah. out to you. Maybe. Okay, so there's no issues with Catholics doing Halloween. You guys don't think? I don't think so. I mean, okay, well, good. That that puts an end to that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think I don't like the idea of glorifying like what? death or like violence, or because sometimes I feel like on Halloween, that's what people like to do, or, or sometimes do, right? Is to no. But for me, I'm coming from a, like a, another country, right? And I have never been experienced Halloween until I come here. Okay. For me, it just it's just a uh, um, a day that I get a lot of candies and I dress up. <laughs> well, that's what, and, I, yeah. that's yeah. what that's I think. It. And there's nothing wrong with that. You uh-huh. get chocolate and yeah, and you get and, to see really cute kids in like bear costumes. Yeah, we had yeah. kids in like little princesses, and and some girl was all blue, and we qu- weren't quite sure what a she was. A lot of animals she running was outside. Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> and then the 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 street light lamp in front of my house would kept going out so then it was like oh. really oh. dark oh. yeah very spooky <laughs> anyway um, I'm you sure still see Unicorn though I mean maybe people <laughs> have issues with Catholics doing Halloween you can always dress as a saint 
that's always a good thing because it's All Saints Eve, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve. Okay, anyway, a reminder that our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can watch this, listen to this program if you're watching us on Facebook Live right now. Um, otherwise, uh, you can listen to the pro- program there, download it. You can also download free off iTunes. Um, and make sure that when you're at iTunes, you log in and you give us a nice review and lots of stars. Five. Five stars, <laughs> says Billy. Um, and so today we continue with our normal show format. Emily will have our news. What's, uh, what's yep. uh, any updates? Well, I will talk briefly about All Saints Day. Okay. Um, just, you know, what the Pope said uh, what, what, on All what, Saints Day. What was Day. the Pope's costume? Dressed up as, yeah. <laughs> dressed up as the as himself, as the Pope. Yeah, <laughs> dressed up as the Pope. Exactly. Okay. Um, October thirty first uh-huh. was also the end of the year of commemoration of the five hundredth anniversary of, of the, the Reformation. Reformation. Okay, that's um, important. So again, just touch upon that as well. Um, in Canada, um, the Holy Father named a new uh, bishop for the Chaldean Church in Canada. Oh, very good. So people will learn what the Chaldean Church is because mm-hmm. they probably don't know. Okay, so that's all coming up with Emily in about five minutes. And then after that, we'll have Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. He actually will come to talk about how to be an undercover missionary in Hollywood. He's actually going to give us tips on how to influence content on mainstream media. So that's very good. That's going to be in about, I don't know, 10 minutes after the news with Emily. And then Church for Dummies. Yes. uh, Today, I have a lot of questions about like ghosts. Spirit, oh, really, and so because there's a lot of movie, you know, around this time of yes, the year, yes. a lot of horror movie, and a lot of them are like ghosts and just have meaningless for for us. But I just want to understand: is there any relationship between that and Catholic catechism? Oh, of course, good. Yeah. And we have the catechism right here, <laughs> just to be sure that we're not making things up. So if you if you're watching us on Facebook Live right now. You know that to listen to the news with Emily or to listen to Church with Dummies, you need to wait until the weekend and then uh, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and uh, listen to the program there. You can download it there. Now, in our second half hour, we're going to be speaking, be speaking with uh, a woman named Daria Little. She was uh, born and raised in Turkey as a Muslim. And then in her book, From Islam to Christ, tells her story. Wow. How she um, not just uh, went from Islam to atheism, from atheism to Christianity, and then from Christianity to Catholicism. So I'm very. It's a great book if you if you're looking for a great read from Islam to Christ by Daria Little. And we're going to be speaking with Daria uh, in about 25 minutes. So that's uh, uh, in the second half of the program. And then I'm very excited because Steve Angrisano, who's probably one of the bo- most well-known Catholic singer-songwriters of all times, uh, and he's a good friend. So he's got a new album, another great excuse to have Steve Angrisano on the Salt and Light Hour. So we're going to be speaking with Steve uh, at the end of the program. He has a new album. It's his ninth album, High Above Our Way. So let's start with a song, as we always do. Here is Steve Angrisano with Leading Us Home from his new album, High Above Our Way. You are the potter, we are the clay. You are the shepherd guiding the way. You are the star that brightens our night leading us home 
we belong to you alone Knowing your voice we are your own When we wander far As close as our breath you are For you are the potter We are the clay You are the shepherd The star that brightens our nights, leading us home, leading us home. And when the raging storms will rise, trembling within our boots, we hide in our doubt and the potter, we are the clay, you are the shepherd guiding the way, you are the star that brightens our night, leading us home, leading us Stephon Grisano with Leading Us Home from his new album, High Above Our Way. And we're going to be speaking with Stephon Grisano in about 30 minutes. But first, here's Emily with our news. Yes, exactly. So uh, we were speaking about All Saints Day. And on that day in Rome, uh, Pope Francis gave not a general audience. Um, okay. So he gave a, an or he prayed the Angelus prayer. And as he usually does for the Angelus, he says a gives a reflection before. And so um, he spoke about how really the the solemnity of All Saints Day is um, is remembering or recalling the fact that all men and women are called to be saints. Good. And so he said in his in his uh, message that saints are not these like perfect examples, you know, of I mean they're they're good examples, but they're not perfect. Yes, yes. Is what what he's saying, right? That really what it what it's about to be saint is to live a life filled with love mm-hmm. or with love, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and he kind of gave like the perfect recipe, I guess, for happiness and and how to live out this love and he spoke about the beatitudes. Right. And he said the beatitudes are like should be a way, you mm-hmm. know, a simple way for Christians um to live um to 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 pursue a holy life. 
um, yeah, so that's you can go and read his um, his yeah, his, his message, message, his full message. But that was the gist of it. Um, okay. So yeah, so just a good reminder that we're all you know we're we are also called uh, to be saints and Absolutely. to start now, and that we live among saints. Yeah, right? of so course, always good messages from the Pope. Yes, exactly. Very good. Um, another thing. So on that day, um, the Salesians organized their tenth edition of this race. They call it the Race of Saints. The Race of Saints. <laughs> yes. Okay. Or yeah. So. Uh, last year, there were about 7,000 people. Not sure how many people there were th- this year, but there's like a three-kilometer and a 10-kilometer race, and it starts on in St. Peter's Square, uh-huh. so right at the at the Basilica of St. Peter. Right. Um, and then they go through the city, and they stop at other, or they go by like other, you know, historic monuments. And this was organized um, by the Salesians to raise money for um, a project that, they're, um, that they started in India uh, to fight against um, forced marriage or child marriage. Okay. Okay. Um, so they've been doing this for, for 10 years now. So okay. their 10th edition. Do people yeah. have to dress as saints and then run? I don't think so. Because that would be cool. That would be the cool. race of saints. Dress You're like right. a saint. You're right. Like who's the patron saint of racing? That guy always wins. That's a good... <laughs> yeah, there's I, I there's probably know. patron saints of Somebody athletes, must know. right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, okay. Also, October 31st, uh-huh. um, it was the conclusion of the... Um, you know the the commemoration of the Reform- Protestant Reformation. Right. So, um, for the whole the past year, mm-hmm. uh, the church has been marking this in various ways, and we know or might not know that it started with a, a joint prayer service in Lund in uh, Sweden last yeah. year between the Lutherans and uh, and Catholics. The Pope was there. Mm-hmm. And so um, throughout the year, there were other events like that. And um, on October thirty first. Of this past week, they um, uh, the Pontifical Council for the Promotion of Unity Between uh, Christians, as well as the uh, World Lutheran Federation, mm-hmm. um, published a communique just to express their gratitude for the past year um, and for the they say for the spiritual and theological gifts that they've received. Um, through these these different events, uh, again they they asked forgiveness for um, you know mistakes in the past and wounds that have been created uh, over the last hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, and then again being grateful for the um, the ecumenical route or you know that that right. that has been started after yes. Vatican II. So yeah, so anyway, Good. so the Important. whole year. And it yeah. came to an end on October 31st, Good. Important anniversary. doesn't mean that we end our ecumenical uh, work. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's been a good year for those relationships between uh, exactly. the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. Exactly. Uh, finally, in Canada, yeah. the Holy Father named a new bishop for the uh, Chaldean Catholic Church. Right. Of which, actually, this, the... Um, the seat of this uh-huh. church in is in Toronto. Um, it's called Mar Adai. Um, right. So the Diocese of Mar Adai in Toronto um, is where this new uh, bishop will be residing. So it's probably the, the he. So he's the patriarch or the or the bishop of the Chaldean Church for the, the whole of Canada. All of I Canada, believe. exactly. Yeah. Which exactly covers the whole yeah. territory of right. the country. And uh, so this is uh, Bishop Bawai Soro. He's mm-hmm. sixty three years old, and he's originally from. Uh, Iraq. He's Iraqi. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, he was in the United States, and he he was a bishop of the um, uh, Assyrian uh, Church okay. over there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so the the Chaldean Church in Canada um, 
has 10 parishes and about 40,000 Chaldean Catholics are a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Probably mostly Iraqis. Yeah. So yeah. so the Chaldean Church, for people who don't know, so it's one of 23 Eastern Rites yes. that are in communion with Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, probably predominantly the church in Iraq is Chaldean. So most of them are Chaldean. And and a, f- a fun fact, it's one of the very few communities, if not the only one, I'm not sure if it's the only one, but that they actually... Uh, celebrate their mass in Aramaic. They actually speak Aramaic. That is the language of the Chaldean rite. So that's very cool. Congratulations Mm -hmm. to the Chaldeans of Canada with their new bishops. Their new bishop. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. Um, Emily Callan, our Salt and Light News producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hello, friends. This is Colin Ray, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interviews again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. Hello, Mark. Welcome back to the program. So finally, we're getting some like tips on how to be undercover missionaries, right? Y- you you are. I'm going to present my master plan today. To take over the world. Influence. Yes, how to take over the world and influence all the content in mainstream media. Do it, do it. So it's a question that I get asked quite often, and that is, you know, how do we influence the content? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first thing to remember is, or to know is that there's very few people that have influence in the mainstream media. If it's a TV show, you've really only got the showrunner, who right. is kind of like the director of the show, yeah. the executives, and then the advertisers. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to find out how much sway advertisers have, but they call it the voice of Walmart. You know, what do they want on their shelves? You know, right. they talk to the studio heads all the time. Uh, and then if it's a film, it's really only the producers, the guys who secure the money, um, the writers, and the directors. Right. And if you're talent, like an actor in these things, it's really only if you're like an A-lister, do you really kind of get to like sway the content of things. Uh, okay. Just because, you know, in a film, it gets rewritten too often, and, you know, if you're kind of an up-and-coming actor, you're like, you're a nobody, why would they care about what you think, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Okay. Um, and, and the way I, ca- I kind of ultimately always like to explain it is that it's the people who have the money the people who control the money really ultimately control the content okay so what do we do as catholics so part a of my master plan is what i call the talented infiltration okay so you want to become so good at what you do that you can become one of these people either the producer, director, writer, or showrunner. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, um, it's not just talent, but it's it's artistic genius. You have to be an artistic genius, really, to be one of these people. And that's like 0.1% of us. Hmm. Um, I don't know why God does it this way, but the way he distributes talent and artistic genius isn't really uh, that fair. It's... Uh, Nobody quite understands, but there are people who just, you know, it's kind of like when you got it, you got it, kind of a thing. Okay. So if you are, fortunately, one of those people that have artistic genius, um, pursue it, but also stay strong in your faith. 
stay mm. close to Christ and, uh, you know, go through the ranks. You know, you're going to have to suffer your way up to the top. But when you get there, you can influence things. So please do that. Uh, Hollywood is a mission field. If you're thinking about it, come out here. It's a, it's a possible plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's like the one percent, so, like the Barbara Halls of the world. So, uh, what about the rest yes. of us? So, for the rest of us, uh, the ninety-nine point nine percent who are untalented, or you know, we're all talented. We're just not talented enough. It's a it's a genius-driven business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to influence the people who influence content, uh, and we desperately need people out here, like people who would be, say, a Christian assistant to someone in Hollywood, uh, even a Christian hairdresser or makeup artist, you know, you you get to be very close to the talent. Mm-hmm. So come out here and, and pick a job where you can be close to the influencers. And uh, I've seen this quite often. It, it's quite often, um, you know, the starving actors, the people who don't get paid a lot, who get to be the assistants to some of these, you know, very high-level influential people. Um, and what we're called to do then in those cases is to basically just be normal. Um, and what do I mean by just be normal? Um, have, in Catholic terms, have character and virtue. Just be, just be a regular, level-headed person. Love them and serve them. And, and you really have to see this as your mission of you're just going to be, you know, the normal, loving voice around them. And right. I've heard of a lot of amazing stories. It's kind of like, you know, when these people come into crisis, you know, if you're the steady one, you know, that's when the doors tend to really open to hmm. to love people. So um, there's just kind of like, there are so many weird and high-maintenance uh, people out here, you know. So it's just like, just be normal, just be virtuous, have good character. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really, you have to see the importance of of nurturing those relationships and all of your relationships um, and it's just as important as being a missionary anywhere, say if you mm-hmm. were called to Zimbabwe or something. Right. Um, and so, you know, come to Hollywood. Uh, it's important that we have, you know, strong Christians here. But if we're looking for how we're going to do this, this is the way. We're, we're going to ultimately hope to be one of those influencers if you have the talent to make it, or you're going to influence the influencers. And, and really, that's probably the the much more likely case. So go be a hairdresser. In fact, you made me think uh, America's Got Talent, Mel B, she shows up with a different hairdo every day. And she actually would speak Armenian. And then finally somebody said, why why are you speaking Armenian? It's just because my hairdressers are Armenian. And so she was (laughs) influenced so much so that she would like come up with all these phrases and quotes in Armenian. So there you go, hairdresser. Oh, wow. Go speak Catholic. Yeah, there you go. You think of how much time they spend with yeah, their hairdresser. Exactly. It's a lot of time. Exactly. And yeah. I love what you said about being being normal. Like, don't work. Just, <laughs> just be normal. Just be there. Do your thing. Be nice. They'll like you. They'll talk to you. And that's how you can be leaven, which, which is what I love. Jesus didn't say, go be bread. He says, be leaven. <laughs> You know, yes. he doesn't even yeah. say go be flour. It's like be a little be, bit, be salt. It's like a little thing that goes in there and influences the whole thing. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really had to think about that a little bit. I'm like, what is normal? I'm like, it's just character, having yeah, regular Christian virtue. Be normal. Good. Okay, so yeah. go there we go. Go to Hollywood. Don't go be an actor. Go be a hairdresser and uh, be normal. Thank you. That's the the tips of today for influencing yeah. content in mainstream media. Mark Matthews' plan for taking over Hollywood. <laughs> 
There you go. Thank you, Mark. That's great. Great tips. Um, uh, thank you, Pedro. Thank you. Talk to you in a month or so. There you have it. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary, giving giving us tips on how to be undercover Hollywood missionaries like him. Uh, be sure to follow him at HU Missionary. Hi, this is Donna Corey Gibson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us, email radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM, or a direct voice message right off our webpage at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan. Thank you, thank you. You've been thinking too much about ghosts this week. Not only this week, actually. This you is You think about ghosts all the time. Not all the time, but I mean, um, I have been... I, I like to watch a lot of horror movies okay. myself okay. and has been like you know a while about mm-hmm. that so but you know there's always and and when it, the parish that I serve okay sometime there was some like parents coming and say that my kid my 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 children see something mm. and you know a lot of story I have been like listening to and yes. but I have never confirmed yes what does Catholic Church talk about? How, yes. how how they talk about that and yes. what is it about and there is a lot of different okay words as well yes spirit soul yeah ghost okay evil yes death you know what I, I will stop here okay. but you know evil maybe I'll leave evil out of it because that's a whole <laughs> other conversation okay but I would say that the word spirit and soul mean the same thing and in fact the word ghost actually means it's, it comes from the German geist which means spirit so the word poltergeist. It's like a a, 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 oh. a ghost that likes to bother people. So it's a ghost, but geist means spirit. So that's it why, all means the same thing. That's why some um, some language saying Holy Spirit as Holy Ghost. Well, it used to be uh, not long ago that we would refer to the Holy Spirit. That was the common language of the church. That we would talk about the Holy I Ghost. See. My mother always said the Holy Ghost. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, so a spirit is a disembodied, or, r- or rather, I guess a ghost is a disembodied spirit. Spirits don't have body. That's what it is. So whether you have a, a like angels, uh, never intended to have bodies, they're just spirits. Okay. Then, but then ghosts, you could say, are spirits that have been separated from their bodies, their human bodies. So after people die, Af- after presumably after people die, yes. after people die, and yes, and um, you know, in a lot of different um, movie, uh, after people die, you know, one of the movie that I like, the the first movie that I'm that made me cry. Okay. Is the movie called Ghost? Oh, okay, it's yes. Very romantic. It's yes, not horror course. movie. It's you not horror cried. movie. Yes, it's the pottery wheel scene. Yes, yes. and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. very young though. Yeah, I'm not Swayze. that old. I'm yeah. not that old. Okay, okay. But um, you know, after um, um, the, the 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 character die, yes, and some sort of soul or spirit coming out from the body. Yes, is it true? You know what? Nobody. I mean, we believe that at death. At the f- at physical death, mm-hmm. there is a separation between the body and and the, that other eternal part of ourselves. We also believe that at some point, maybe at the final judgment or at the end of times, your our spirits will be reunited with our bodies. So that's we why, have a new body. That's what well yes. a, a, a perfected body, if you can okay. say that. Okay. Okay. Um, so Billy will be Billy 
it'll be your body. Really? It's not some new body. You're not going to look like Brad Pitt. You're going to probably look like a better Billy. I, sh- um, I should lost some weight before. Yeah, I, you should. I, you should. So yeah, and that's why at the creed we say that we believe in the resurrection of the body. Ah. Um, so that we don't believe that God's intention was to separate body and spirit, which I find interesting. Peter Peter Kreeft, who's been on this program, he's a very well known theologian. Um, he he says that it's inter- that that the body and soul were never intended to be separated. Which is why if you think a ghost is a spirit without a body, a zombie is a body without a spirit. So what happens when you separate body and spirit is you end up with a monster. So (laughs) so so that's Ah, a very interesting way to to look at it, to look at it Um, now, just quickly in terms of of what the church, the church has no definite teaching about ghosts or Mm -hmm. apparitions. We do believe in, in the invisible as well as we believe in the visible. Okay. Um, We do believe in spirits, of course, Uh Um, whether uh, God allows certain spirits, maybe who are in purgatory to come back to earth for a message or to do something that, that is part of their purgation. That is a possibility. Um, whether there are evil spirits, uh, uh, you know, like in the prayer of St. Michael that we say Satan and all his evil spirits, mm-hmm. we believe that they exist as well in the same way that we have angels, there are evil spirits. Um, uh, but there is no definite uh, teaching about ghosts. The only definite teaching in this, and I brought the catechism just to uh-huh. be sure that we get it right, because even though we believe that there is a spiritual world, the church is very clear in saying that we should not seek it out. So all forms of divination and magic uh, are rejected, and in specifically, specifically all practices of magic or sorcery um, w- in which one attempts to tame occult powers or place them at one's service. So that is what's, what's uh, uh, not okay. We shouldn't go out of our way to look for them. But if they find us, maybe there's a message. Maybe there is a, a good message that is given to us by someone uh, who has died uh, maybe we just stumble upon a spirit who needs to do something before they move on to the other side and we just need to you know get out of the way and pray for them because okay. we can pray for the dead true All we right. should always huh? okay there you go that's probably a question that some of you might want to uh, respond <laughs> to uh, you know you can always reach us here uh, via email radio at saltandlighttv.org uh, and also Twitter, I'm at Deacon Pedro GM, and Billy is at B. Joe Chan. Thank you. Coming up in our second half hour from Islam to Christ and a featured chat with Steve Angrisano, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Daria Little was born and raised in Muslim Turkey. After her parents' divorce, she rejected her family's Islamic faith and became an atheist. Now, during her adolescence, though, she tried to convince once a Christian missionary that there is no God, but that didn't turn out too good for Daria. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Daria Little. Daria, welcome to the Sultanite Hour. Thank you, and thank you very much for having me. So the your story, before I ask you a little bit more detail, the story is, is uh, detailed in your book that you just authored, From Islam to Christ, One Woman's Path Through the Riddles of God. So tell me, you grew up in a Muslim, so Turkey is a Muslim country, in a Muslim society, but these, you rejected these early on, those beliefs. Why? Uh, I was raised a Muslim, as um, as you mentioned, you know, I was a good Muslim girl, learned my uh, prayers, 
learn how to recite the Quran, and I never even thought about leaving Islam until uh, my parents got a divorce, and okay. uh, that was unheard of in my world, and it turned everything upside down for me. Uh, so when I started to doubt my uh, parents' love for me because of their divorce, uh, that eventually led me to doubt Islam, because uh, if they lied to me about their love, what else did they lie, me, lie to me about? Okay, and, but, uh-huh. yeah. uh, but were there any other sort of teachings or tenets about Islam that didn't make sense to you? Uh, not before I started questioning, because um, doubt or questioning or um, those kind of rebellious thoughts um, are uh, forbidden in Islam. So you're uh-huh. not even allowed to question or doubt. But when I started to read Islam in a more skeptical, questioning light, then I realized everything wasn't as um, as good as it, um, they portrayed us growing up. Uh, for the first time, I read it for myself. I read uh, Quran in Turkish, uh-huh. and then I started reading about Muhammad's life, and uh, then I realized um, he wasn't this um, ideal man uh, we were supposed to follow. Uh, I realized um, his life wasn't perfect, and I concluded that after a while that I couldn't follow this man because of his treatment of women and his inconsistencies and his war on other people, the existence of violence in Islam. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I decided that I couldn't follow such a man, and that led me to atheism because the only God I knew was Allah. So as as an, uh, how old were you at the time? Around 11. So, okay, so you're 11 years old. You're living in a predominantly Muslim country. You interiorly have rejected these beliefs, but out exteriorly, are you still living as a Muslim? Um, I didn't want to reject Islam. So I tried to, in a way, I was reading about Muhammad's life, but then I kept reading the Quran. Like, I'm hoping that it's true. Okay. Does it make sense? And eventually I dropped all the religious practices. Uh, which isn't very common. Like it's a very nominally Muslim country mm-hmm. in places, so uh, my, nobody really suspected that I wasn't Muslim anymore. Okay, um, so it's not something that you could share with your friends, for example. Um, I did find a few friends who were um, who thought like me, but there were very few, and we had this like little group of two or three people. Uh, who read um, all these books written by atheists or former Muslims. Right. But most of my friends were uh, still Muslims. Right. So part of part of growing up in that society or growing up as a Muslim meant that you had a complete distrust for Christianity. So what was it about Christianity, without telling us the whole story, because I want people to read the book, but what was it about Christianity that grabbed you first? Well, nothing grabbed me until I met a missionary. Uh-huh. Um, but when I started talking, the, I think the biggest difference for me, uh, the way they, Christianity portrayed God, uh, the God this missionary talked about was completely different from Allah. This God was rational, loving, and pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was completely different, and that was the biggest change for me. And um, that also opened the door for me to cross, because my God was science after I rejected Mm. Islam for Mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. And I realized that this God, this missionary lady was talking about, was compatible with science. With science. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest pull for me. And then afterwards, I understood more about Christ and his sacrifice and sin, 
but the biggest pull was the nature of God. Can I ask you, I, I'm, I, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but you, you hear so often that people say that we worship the same God, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, but you've just, in a way, have said that your sense of that, that, that Allah is not the same God that you heard that the Christian God was. Would you agree that it's the same God and just a different interpretation, or do we actually um, have a completely different concept of God? Um, to be honest, the, um, Allah, uh, the God that Islam teaches, uh, is completely different yeah. than the God we believe. Um, this doesn't mean that most Muslims, they are not aware, and I think because of the law that's written in their hearts, they mm. do, I think, uh, turn their worship creator of universe right. uh, unknowingly right. <laughs> does yes. it make sense yes it does not because of islam but because you know well, because god the god lord god. Uh, yeah. calls him to but the allah himself as taught by islam and muhammad is not compatible with right. christianity because um allah can change his mind whenever he wants like he can say your sins don't matter anymore everybody come to heaven then there is no re- uh, need for christ Mm-hmm. Um, like you, you can't reach Allah, uh, Christ, starting from uh, Allah's nature, right, and course. that's very important. And that's, yeah, that would be a, a, a pretty fundamental difference. Um, so you became a Christian, and then years later, you were drawn to the Catholic Church. So why? What drew you to Catholicism? Um, I was um, so my um, my. Um, during my childhood, it was very anti-Catholic. It was anti-Christian, but it was definitely anti-Catholic. And all the protestants around me were very anti-Catholic. Right. And then, um, even though I had some questions about protestant theology, like scripture alone or faith alone, mm-hmm. I thought I didn't know enough, so I pushed them aside. But a friend, a good friend of mine, went and became a Catholic, and I felt personally betrayed. Uh-huh. Uh, so I set about to uh, prove him wrong, right. and then... Um, you know, a few years later, I find myself uh, getting confirmed. So, right, uh, right. The longer so stories in the book. It but is. It is a great story. So, both <laughs> times you set out to prove somebody wrong, and and you find the truth. Uh, yes, I know. How many times can I be wrong? And apparently, many, many times. Thank God, Holy Spirit is patient. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first received the book, and of course, from Islam to Christ is a great title, but one woman's path through the riddles of Christ, uh, the riddles of God, was not the subtitle I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, a conversion story or something. But why, I mean, hearing you talk now a little bit, I understand why you you, you mean the riddles of God. But can you explain that a little better? Why, why the riddles of God? Um, I think the way we are created is we kind of look for a riddle to solve. And God, uh, in everybody's life, uh, God puts this little, little, it's there like crumbs, mm-hmm. right? This little riddle in front of us. And if we want to follow him, uh, he will help us solve it. And then we are one step closer to him. And mm-hmm. I feel like my whole life, um, I chased after these little riddles God gave me. And, um, and those were much better than the solutions I found for myself. Right. Because I was a very unhappy woman before I found the Lord. So... Um, hmm. Those riddles actually gave me more satisfaction than all mm-hmm. the solutions I conjured up for myself. Right. Now, I, I would say that your book is more than just a conversion story. So who is this book for, and what is your hope for the book? Um, 
actually it's it's for everybody who struggle with their faith um you know from if you're uh doubting about your christian faith or if you want to learn about for islam or uh if you want to know what it means to uh be an immigrant in america mm-hmm. or um how we can uh, survive in the secular um society i think um everybody can find a little bit of themselves in my book because no, I wandered far and wide, spiritually and physically, and um, I think it's a little bit for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and those are all uh, themes that can be found in the book. So um, I'm I'm very happy that <laughs> that you went through your experience so that you could write this book and share it with us, Daria. Um, thank you for doing so and for sharing a little bit about your experience and your life uh, with us today. Oh, thank you again. Thank you very much for having me, and God bless. That was Daria Little. She's the author of From Islam to Christ. If you missed any part of this conversation, go to sultanlighttv.org slash radio and you can listen to the rest of it and also listen to the whole program. Daria Little has a PhD in politics from Durham University in England. Her articles on foreign affairs have appeared in academic journals and Catholic World Report. Her book, From Islam to Christ, One Woman's Path Through the Riddles of God, is published by Ignatius. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Steve Angrisano, with O Saving Victim from his new album, High Above Our Way. your mercy we place our trust in you alone oh saving victim open wide the gate of heaven to us below our foes press on from
That was Steve Angrisano with O Saving Victim from his new album High Above Our Way. And singing with Steve on that track is uh, Sarah Kroger. Now, I probably don't have to say much about Steve Angrisano, except, well, he's been on this program I don't know how many times. If you don't know who he is, you need to listen to this conversation, and then you need to look him up. Steve has been in this business longer than I can count. I'm not going to say how old he is, because he must have started when he was five years old. He does it all, youth, adults, conferences, liturgies, schools. If there's a Catholic event, he's been there. Um, and Steve has just put out, I believe it's his ninth album. He's going to correct me, I'm sure. High Above Our Way. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Steve Angrisano. Steve, so good to have you back on the program. Ah, uh, Deacon Pedro, always good to talk to you. And I think your number nine is correct. Is I, it? I had a couple of recordings prior to having a publisher, so technically it's they probably 11 or something like that. But, but nine that you could still get your hands on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they're, they're, and and should I say nine excellent albums? I should have said that, right? Excellent album. Now, I um you you I know that you're shortly going to be on your way to the airport. You're flying to San Diego. You have some some dates in California. That seems to me that that is you love doing this. You're still doing a lot of retreats, talks, conferences, workshops. Would you say that that's your favorite part of the ministry or do you like being in the recording studio? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. I think by far, my favorite part of the ministry is the actual ministry. So, yeah, if push come to shove, I would say uh, being a speaker at a youth conference, doing a two- or three-day parish mission in a parish, all yeah. the things, the conferences, the things you mentioned, I just think it's where the real meaning of what we're doing, you know, none of none of the publishing makes any difference if, if we're not um, right. pursuing our faith with passion, you know, and, and uh, that's been probably the most rewarding part it's definitely what's kept me going over time is mm-hmm. is that from my, even for my wife who i have to be away from my family a lot yeah, but i would saint. think because we believe in what we're doing and because there's so much spiritual benefit to it and joy to it i mean i i don't think she would let me travel like this just if i was an accountant or something and there's nothing wrong <laughs> with being an accountant i just think you know that we receive a lot from the mission that we take on yeah, and I know from from my experience, I mean, meeting all the people you get to meet and how well they, you know, they're, they're you're received and you get so much, you probably get so much. I mean, you're, yeah. you're getting from them rather than them getting from you. I mean, it's a classic kind of missionary ministry uh, quote. That's very true. And I think that what a lot of people don't say sometimes is that uh, if you let it, and I think that, that the best people that you know, that anyone listening knows, the speakers and musicians that they admire and the faith, but... You know, if you let it, that also calls you to continue to pursue your faith and to continue to yeah. be the person that you're calling others to be. And I, I think that's one of the best things for me is I'll finish a really busy month and I'm physically exhausted. But here I was at a conference with Bishop Barron, and here I was at a big yeah. rally with twenty thousand teenagers. And and at the end of the day, you know, I'm being inspired by these things just as much as I'm a, a part of them, like you were saying. And yeah. and I think you can't you can't stay static in that environment you have to respond to it or not you know and and, uh i've really i think it makes my faith stronger that i'm able to be a part of those things yeah well i'm amazed that you actually have time to to write so you're still writing music despite of all that so i'm i'm presuming that some of the way that these events feed you is that they're actually also feeding you creatively so that you can go into the studio and you or you can write songs tell me a bit about, uh, about that absolutely that then and you hit upon a really good point when and if anyone ever asked me directly 
when do you write? I'm like, I never. I I write like <laughs> the way I was a student in high school. I write when OCP says we have a budget <laughs> this year for you, and it expires on April 12th. And so right. I write a bunch of songs right on April 10th. You know, and uh, <laughs> I've also learned to do. And you'll notice this on this record if anyone reads the fine print, but. Nearly every song on this particular recording, High Up of Our Way, is yeah. is written with Curtis Steven, who is okay. a neighbor and friend and fantastic musician and fellow Texas Ranger fan, which which uh, which <laughs> we live right in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I, I I'm, I'm a very big baseball fan, and and even though our teams are not entirely on good terms, I I I am an equal opportunity employer when it comes to that. <laughs> So, 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 so you write, okay, wait, so, so Curtis is your next door neighbor. Um, yeah, pretty close actually. And OCP says to you, we have a budget. Do you want to put out a new album? You, so you had not been kind of playing around with Curtis on, on ideas for songs. Yeah. You know, what typically happens is for either one of us, because I, in the last three or four years, when we've lived closer together, yeah. it's been a very fruitful spiritually because you pray about this stuff and I think if people could be a fly on the wall, the conversations they would enjoy the most are not the actual writing of the lyrics, but prior to that, you know, you sit down and, and you take just a thematic idea. Let's write a Christmas song, you know, which right. is one of the songs Christ Our Eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, where would the text come from? Well, well, there's an old hymn that no one ever sings anymore that says this, and oh, and the Liturgy of the Hours, isn't that beautiful what St. Ambrose says about that? And you take a few ideas and you try to decide what you want to say. And then you begin hmm. to piece it together. And so, I yeah, personally okay. am best as a writer, and this is different for different people, but I don't, I'm not as creative when we're standing there together, staring at each other, saying, okay, be creative, go. Um, so people like Sarah Hart, who I know you've interviewed yeah, before, they're, they're very good. That's what they do for a living. In that kind of situation, she works in Nashville, goes into a room, writes a song. Yeah, right, yeah. But for Curtis and I, it's more, we come up with a theme, we go home, he'll write a really great, hook of a of a chorus and says uh -huh. what do you think about that and i'll say that's great and what if the verses were like this and we almost send it back and forth is the okay. way many of these are written i see but it sounds still a little kind of methodical like you think let's write a christmas song or let's write an adoration song and then you you go from there like you start with a theme like i'm, I'm intrigued that there's a christmas song in this album yes then, Okay. It's both are true. Both are true. Okay. You know, uh, sometimes you just have inspiration. I uh, one of the songs on the record that that song I'm speaking of is actually my favorite one. Christ, Christ our, our light has come, has come. And, it's, and it's funny how it it just it we wanted to write a, a Christmas song because I think what's different sometimes for musicians in the church is that my publishers are liturgical publishers, so they often tell us their needs. You know, but okay. we don't have a lot of contemporary seasonal music for I Christmas. See. You know, uh, yes. we we would like to offer something that's newer than just the most traditional hymns, mm -hmm. and so that gives you an an inspiration or an avenue. And mm -hmm. I think I I write better with that nudge. It's like writing responsorial psalms. I love the psalms, and for the last ten years, praying liturgy the hours yes. at least once a day has been a big part of my life. Yes, and I think to write a psalm, it's so much easier if you've prayed the psalm and those words have penetrated into your heart a little bit and you know of what you speak. Yeah. It's not just words that were handed to you like an assignment. Yes. And uh, and so I think that the two kind of go hand in hand. You know, when they give you a little inspiration of which direction to go, 
then you can sort of lean on text that you've, you know, we, and for these songs, we look for some of Pope Francis's uh, yeah. uh, homilies and things like that. Okay. It just gives you some rich material when someone gives you a direction. Right. And at the same time, I know Leading leading Us Home, which was the song, the first song we played at the top of the program, it was inspired by a trip to Bethlehem, correct? Yes. And that would be just the opposite. That yeah. would be what you were saying. Leading Us Home, which is probably, yeah, Push Come to Shove, one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Really? Because I wrote it on a plane coming home from the Holy Land. Hmm. Uh, there's a there's a there's a long version and really uh, for me an entertaining version of this story. I experienced this with Father Chris Ryan, who's an amazing priest in Australia, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I was only for a few seconds in the tomb of Jesus, truly just a few seconds, yes. and all by myself, touching touching a slab of stone where Jesus' body lay, and and for those who've never been. I, I was so scared to go and so glad yeah. that I went. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the, this is not a place that Christians started praying in the year 63, as you well know and probably have spoken about before, but this yes. is a place Christians stopped praying in the year 63 because yes. a pagan emperor covered it up because they wanted, mm-hmm. wanted the Christians to stop coming here. But you're in this place that is so powerfully and reliably holy to the, to the first century church, and I came out of that room after a few seconds, and I have to race to the airport, and I went to confession to this little Portuguese priest that was a Franciscan friar, and, and they have confession lines right there, and I, mm-hmm. I was just so moved by the whole thing, and I told him, I said, Father, I, I don't want to leave. Like, I was only here for four days to, to, to work, which is, was the case, and, and I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready to stop touching these places that were where Jesus walked and stood and lay, and, and he said to me, well, your penance is this. When your plane is taking off, place your hand in front of your mouth and breathe into it. And, and he made me do it, like, and he said, and as you feel your breath hit your hand, I want you to remember, as close as your breath is to you, this is how close God is to you always, no matter where you are. And I wrote the whole song based on that line, as close as our breath. Oh, my and gosh. That, that was the impetus. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Okay, well, now I need to tell our listeners now, absolutely are going to have to go to the website, our website, and da- and listen to the beginning of the program to hear the song again, and, and definitely then go and buy the album. Steve, we're going to leave it there. Um, I, I love the fact that you're still writing. I love your music, and I love maybe a little bit more what you do on, on stage when you're, when you're performing and when you're doing conferences and talks. So I hope you don't stop. And uh, maybe uh, maybe we can go to the Holy Land together. How's that? That would be, uh, be I will take you up on that. Let's do it. Everybody needs a deacon to go with them to the Holy Land. I agree. And every deacon needs a guitar player and <laughs> singer. I don't know guy. if you'll find that in print anywhere, but I agree. <laughs> okay. Well, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, safe flight and uh, stay in touch. Thanks. Thanks. Great to be on. Thank you. That was Steve Angersano. If you missed any part of this conversation, uh, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio to listen to the rest of it and to listen to the whole program. And you can learn more about Steve Angersano at his website, steveangersano.com. I'm going to put a link to that on our site so you can find it easily. His new album, High Above Our Way, is published by Oregon Catholic Press. And here now is Steve Angersano with the title track of his new album, High Above Our Way. There's a love that is greater than my own There's a spirit 
that brings me back to life. We're listening to Steve Angrisano with High Above Our Way, written with uh, Curtis Steven from Steve's new album of the same name. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. Contact us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org or via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for saltandlighttv.org. Yeah, and you can also find me through Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And I'm on Twitter at Emmy Callan and Billy is at Bijo Chan. In the following weeks, we'll have Cooper Ray, the Full Armor Band, and the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. They have a new album, so you don't want to miss any of our shows in the next couple of weeks. Thank you for being with us. I'm Emily Callan. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been The, the Salt and Light, Light Hour. My life, true love is found in Christ alone There is water for every thirsty soul There is bread that will truly satisfy There's a seed that's been planted in my soul 